Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, uh, where we explore the intersection of effective altruism, universal basic income, the attention economy, and blockchain. I'm your host, Reese Lindmark, and today in episode three, we're going to explore a facet of the attention economy, namely the output of the attention economy or the future of work, where you kind of spend your time in order to create value for others. Um, and today we're talking with Naveen Mishra, who is a co-founder of Crowdraising.co, a blockchain-based platform for pledging time, not money. He also writes at NaveenMishra.co. Naveen, thanks for being on the show and welcome. Good morning, Reese. Thank you for having me. Pleasure yeah. to talk to you. Thanks for being here. Um, so let's get things started off and cut to the chase. And could you tell me a little bit about, um, I always like to kind of start with why. So I'd kind of love to hear why you're working in the future of workspace and specifically how crowdraising.co plays into that. Sure. So I started out my career with tech and business consulting in regular the consulting uh, companies and in the intermediary fashion. And there's a whole lot of uh, middle manifest inefficiency in that process. So I met my co-founder, Max, while we were both working on the future of work platforms, but in different ways. So we wanted to create a, a global decentral marketplace of skills where people can contribute their effort and then get rewarded for it. And crowd raising is ultimately the, uh, the result of that. Hmm. Yeah. So it is... For you, the why there is your desire to create a kind of a global efficient marketplace. Is that is that correct? Exactly. That? That, that, yeah. In one sentence, that's my why. I want to create a global efficient marketplace of skills. Great. Got it. Interesting. Um, could you actually just tell me a little bit more of what you mean by skills there? So uh, there are a couple of paradigms of how uh, people earn or how people earn their livings. You could say jobs are one of those. You could say monetizing their skills is the basic unit of value in that network. So uh, going back to Clayton Christensen and the jobs to be done framework, if if there's a job that that somebody can specify in enough detail and there's somebody that can do that job, that's what I call skill. Great. So if there's a job to be done and there's a person that does that job, I want to be the platform that enables that in, in with maximal efficiency. Awesome, awesome. That makes sense. Um, and so crowdraising.co, you can kind of pledge time and pledge say, hey, I have these skills. I'd like to pledge these skills towards exactly. this project. Um, I love how you guys kind of started up crowdraising.co and specifically in this new kind of blockchain-based world, the concept of an early adopter has kind of changed and the, the concept of bootstrapping has kind of changed. Right. So could you talk right. a little bit more about how you guys did a meta campaign for crowdraising in order to create crowdraising? Absolutely. So we are great uh, believers in eating our own dog food. So uh, And customer validation is something that we've learned the hard way in our previous um endeavors so what we decided to do was figure out that if there's demand for this go out and reach people so we decided to have the community build crowdraising.co as a platform we decided that the 1000 hours for the initial uh no frills platform would be good for people who have the right skills basically so we went out and tried to raise 1000 hours in, in 30 days uh, of people pledging their time basically and uh, we reached out to oral channels, we reached out to our networks, our boards, and and voila, we raised 1,500 hours, so 150% of what we uh, wanted to do. So that gave us a huge, uh, that gave us a huge uh, 
Yeah, validation. Gumption, yeah. validation, yeah. whatever you want to say, to just say, oh, their demand exists. So we're not building something that nobody wants to use. Yeah. We already started with a group of people who are early adopters. So this is the ICO before there was an ICO kind of thing. Yep, yep, that makes sense. And an ICO, not necessarily for uh, tokens, tokens, but rather, yeah. And, and so right. what, if so, I was a person who was into the crowdraising.co, what were the incentives for me in order to contribute my time to create at, at the, this initial meta campaign? In the initial meta campaign, uh, the rewards were, first of all, just donating your time. Yep. Secondly, you have uh, premier access to the platform. You get uh, better access to the companies that want to raise on this platform. Uh, and you get to be one of the core kind of founding teams of this platform, uh, kind of lead the direction of where it's going. So all the benefits of the early adopters and a kind of sneak peek into V2, V3 and everything like that. Got it. Got it. Something that I'm wondering with this meta campaign and you got 1500 hours, something that a lot of people are talking about with ICOs and they're talking about the distribution of who owns yes. that ICO. And so you yes. got like these huge whales. What was it like? The thing that's fascinating is time is everybody only has 24 hours in a day and really some, you know, you're sleeping for eight right. or whatever. No, and so it's I tough to be a 10x or 100x whale. Yeah. So exactly. you, what is what does it look like? What did your distribution curve look like in terms of hours raised? Were there some people that were pledging 100 hours or were there some people that were pledging less than 10? So we thank you for bringing that up. So we took great responsibility not to have that happen. Uh, so we had pledge levels. So you just couldn't willy nilly just put up hours. We had pledge levels where for the first one hour that you uh, kind of pledge, you had a basic review of the site. Tell us what technologies you're interested in. Tell us, fill out a basic survey, that kind of thing. For five hours, if you do, there's a there was a call. We actually spoke to people who raised the time so that we know what they're into. They're, they're real people. They're not just somebody just putting up numbers on a site. Mm -hmm. So we controlled the growth. So on average for 1,500 hours, I think there were 300 people. So... Um, 300 people, that, on average, that's five hours, but some people donated 40, some people donated one. So we also had, uh, as an initial validation for startups that want to use this campaign, a 40-hour pledge that if you want to raise a campaign, we will guide you through the process, which is going to take some of your time and some of our time. Yep. That's why we, we asked for 40 hours. That's one working week, right? Yep. Five eights. So that's what we asked, and uh, that's uh, where the majority of ours came from. So it's a good distribution of people who want to work and good distribution of people who have the work for them to do. Yeah, interesting. So thinking more about the, you know, this, this token system here and, and thinking about how crowdraising thinks about, because there's lots of new future of work platforms, um, and crowdraising, you guys have decided at the beginning not to kind of tokenify your system. Could you talk a little bit more about uh, wh why you made that decision? Sure. Uh, as we've spoken earlier, the token on our platform is time, basically, an hour or whatever interval of time that you use to monetize your skill. Yeah. If we tokenize right now, there's a whole lot there's a whole lot of hype which comes with positive and negative repercussions of tokenizing a platform that doesn't really have a value yet. Yep. Right? So this was our way of injecting value into the platforms. Uh, you could analogize this to uh, Vinny Lingham and his civic platform where they said this is the value. They gave a clear value definition of we will provide access to identity that you own. So our value was we will provide you with work for that hour that you pledge. Now, now that hour that you pledge, if you think about it, is just a token, Yep. right? So 
we're just getting the users into this tokenized mindset yep. where they can then think about uh, reward and compensation in this tokenized way instead of saying, oh, I worked 40 hours, you got to pay me 40 hours and benefits and all that. Yep. This is just a way to intro the tokenization. Yep. So once we actually do launch that tokenization, it'll just be one layer of a level of abstraction on top of the hours. Yep. Interesting. So that's the goal behind not overwhelming users and getting them into the mindset and having them be comfortable with the tokenization. Totally. Yeah, I think that there's an easy thing to do in the blockchain space, which is like, ooh, we all love, we are all deep in on this rabbit hole and we love the tokenization <laughs> of anything and therefore everything should be tokenized. And uh, and the thing that we got to recognize more is like, hey, let's kind of uh, scaffold people into this new system, get them using exactly. a platform with something that they understand better, which is time, and then to be able to later tokenize that asset um, right. for, for the future. Yeah, that's interesting. One the thing- question that we're trying to solve is so what, right? You can say we're a tokenized blockchain future work platform people come back with so what yep 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 so that's the question we're trying to answer if we answer that first the back-end tech doesn't really make any difference yep that makes sense so and how would you i'm thinking about other platforms where you can kind of pledge your time there are there's a lot of ones where you can pledge your your money or your dollars and there aren't exactly. that many others where you can pledge your time what are some of the other platforms that pledge time and how do you kind of relate to those there was this concept called time banks in the U.S. that came out of Germany. Mm -hmm. So there's somebody in Germany that's doing specifically time banks where the entire concept was to pledge time. Yep. Uh, but they were a legacy they, in the in the way that they were mostly volunteer oriented. They were uh, they were paid. They were centralized. They were paid after the work was done. That kind of thing. So there was no freedom and and any motivation to join those time banks, right? Yep. There are blockchain-based platforms where there's token of value, which can be abstracted of at a time. So what that what, what I mean by that is they might not say time, but they might say task, but you're gonna yep. spend time anyway and get paid for it. So there's there's things like colony.io, there's things like uh, Aragon, there's things like district, right? These yep. are these are the plumbing. So one of the things about the future of work is that the future hasn't been written yet. So we're writing the plumbing as we speak. Yep. So people are arriving at the same source of truth from multiple ways. Yep. So yeah, these are all the platforms that are kind of converging onto the space as we speak. Totally. Yeah, I think that that's interesting that like you say, I mean, with anything in the future of work space and, and this t time for money kind of transaction, you can de you can decide to say, hey, this is a time-based platform, which is kind of what crowd raising is. Or you can say, hey, this is a token-based, task-based platform, like something like calling it IO. And really, the tasks, as you say, abstract into time. Um, exactly. Everything in the end abstracts to time. <laughs> Even money abstracts <laughs> to time. Um, one question that I have for you is, uh, I just want to get your take on my Patreon Reesecoin system. So I have a system where I uh, have essentially, uh, you can promote me on, or you can support me on Patreon, and then for every $10 a month that you give to support me per month, you get one Reesecoin back, and then you can spend 20 Reesecoins for one hour of my time, um, and this is all kind of tracked in a just a, a Google spreadsheet, essentially. What are your thoughts on that kind of exchanging time for money system with something like Reese coins. Um, yeah, what, what do you think about that? It's a great idea. My, my problem is I want to power skilled people like yourself. Why mm -hmm. should you have to do all the work of maintaining a Google sheet and mm -hmm. coming up with mm -hmm. coins and maintaining the legal framework and all of that? <laughs> yep. We're both on the same page, right? Yep. The issue is this. You have skills that you want to share 
right? And you have to tokenize them in whatever way. You say it's Reese coin. Great, that's a great idea. But what happens, so there, let's say it's a Reese coin for Reese, Naveen coin for Naveen, yep. Max coin for Max, yep. Jupiter coin for Jupiter. Yep. What happens a year down the line when every single person has their own coin? Yep. So what that defaults to is either everybody has the same coin with different values, right? Yep. Or, or there's this mess of systems where everybody's their own federated yep. kind of currency issuer. Yes, yep. Yeah. Right. So if if we're on the decentral, I am going to do everything decentralized. I don't care what kind of efficiency scale. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Then great. Then let's everybody have our own coins, right? Yep. But what's going to happen? It's people don't care. People care about platforms. People care about work being done. Mm-hmm. If I was to say to you, Reese, we love what you're doing. We ha- love to have you on the platform. You just do the work. We take care of all the accounting. Yep. Don't pay us. It's we're not central. Right, the, the ledger is distributed, so we can't control anything. Yep. But it's just your platform. We're just we're just the pipes for it. Yep. Wouldn't that be great? So I think you're re- headed in the right direction. But my point is this: there's going to be a hundred Reese's with a hundred Reese coins. Yep. A year down. Yep. So that's so that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, and and you want to be able to give them a way to tokenize their time, uh, or to, yeah. to or to yeah to allocate their time without needing to do what I did, which is create a weird Google spreadsheet. Um, one final question before we transition to kind of uh, the macro trends within the attention economy and future of work is, how do you think about, how are you guys thinking about making money? Because uh, that's a big question within the space as well, which is, you know, there's kind of this pushback against rent-seeking institutions that right. um, tr- try to take more money than they should or what have you or what we think it should. But right. the amount of money is really it's, – it's tough to say. So how do you guys think about making money um, with respect to the company and how people will view that as well? So initially we're not. We're just offering it as a kind of free platform to get, get people interested in the idea. But the monetization structure is given that there's a token, that should have value. Right. So if, if that one hour token is of any value to you, I should be able to say, because we did we did the work, you either pay me in token or you pay me fiat. Mm-hmm. So this the most straightforward way is to say, because you were able to work for X number of hours for this task or job or campaign, uh, you give me a, a token and a monetization structure that's a percentage of what you earn. That could be token as well. That doesn't have yep. to be fiat. Yeah. Right, so that that's the ultimate goal is everything to be tokenized with ours or and whatever token we come up with. Mm-hmm. But for right now, uh, for corporate campaigns that so we where we want value transfer to happen from from those rent seeking organizations yeah. that have all that rent to kind of give out, yeah. we're charging them the money so that we can let entrepreneurs uh, work on the token itself. Got it. That's interesting. Yeah, I think that that's a funny way to describe it which is hey we have had these rent seeking institutions aka people that have lots of profit and they have that rent to give out so let us charge exactly. them for that um in order to transition for that rent. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. i like that okay so let's kind of or before we transition is there anything else that you want to say about crowd raising and kind of uh people being able to pledge time on the platform one thing i would say is because yeah. we're still in the user selection platform is Think about the time commitment that you're giving to us because we are we are dead serious and, and yeah. we know that this platform is going to work. Yeah. So uh, think about your time commitment. Think about 
uh, how you want to be compensated. Think about what kinds of platforms you need to work on. Yeah. So uh, if you go to the crowd raising, there's a gene gun campaign going on right mm-hmm. now. You and I may not be able to contribute to that campaign, right? I would love to help make a gene gun. Yep. Right. But a gun I just, that, I don't that have the biology. Does it make a, do it. what is it? What is a gene gun, by the way? <laughs> So uh, CU Denver mm-hmm. has a, a BioWorks lab called InWorks. Uh-huh. A gene gun is a, a pressurized device to inject artificial genes into microbes. Great, got so it. So they're creating new biology, basically. Great. So for something like that, I can pledge time and say, hey, I could popularize your platform, but yep. you know, it's not, not, not that much of value to them. So totally. I would say just think about your skills, think about the match, and then... And then just go ahead and pledge. Go to crowdraising.co. Yep, yep. That's fascinating. I think that that is a – one thing that that gets at is and, – and, and on your platform, you have a lot of kind of – what I like are some of the like community-driven systems there. Yeah. And, and something that's interesting within this blockchain-based space is so many of the early adopters right now are kind of tech and developer-focused and infrastructure tech-focused. Uh-huh. And so if you're a person that's like, ooh, I'm really into you know District X or, you know, or OX or any of these kind of – uh, platform, I'm into Ethereum, you can then, as a developer, really be part of that system because you know you can actually pledge time and money into right. making Ethereum right. a better platform. And what exactly. you guys are doing is saying, hey, at the community level, you don't necessarily be aware of what you can pledge. And there are a lot of like non-developers that might want to pledge hours to their community, and they can do exactly. that through your platform. Um, exactly. So customer centricity is, is one of our biggest things. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's kind of zoom out backwards away from crowd raising and away from your specific platform and talk more generally about the attention economy and the future of work. Um, and one thing sure. that Naveen and I want to talk about was essentially how we think about incentives um, and how we think about scarcity within the system. So kind of, Naveen, could you get, give a little out, overview of how you're thinking about incentives generally within the future of work and specifically around this concept of how those incentives play in with scarcity. Exactly. Uh, so there was this great blog post by Diego Forte who mm-hmm. writes about productivity. Mm-hmm. It was called The Rise of the Full Stack Entrepreneur. Yep. The Full Stack Freelancer, sorry. Mm-hmm. Full Stack Freelancer. So uh, the issue is, let's invert Maslow's pyramid for a second. Yep. For the for the most part, for the people that crowd raising is going to affect or this economy is going to initially affect, they're, they're, they have all the basic structures of the lower yep. side of the pyramid, right? Yep. They're working on that self-actualization, yep. love part of that pyramid, yep. Yep. right? And that resource is scarce artificially. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I cannot point to a thing to say, okay, this gives me self-actualization. There's only 100 units of that. Mm-hmm. This, this is just scarcity that we have created amongst ourselves. Yep. So what happens when we expletize or make explicit this implicit knowledge that the scarcity is is wrong or is not is scarcity doesn't exist yeah what happens why should i work if if there's why should i do anything is my point so the incentive for me to work goes away when i know that self-actualization can be had in other ways right yep yep thinking about the the future of work and the knowledge economy and the attention economy in this way helps us to define what what some of the core tenants should be, not what they are, what not what the tech should be, but what the tech should be focused on. Mm-hmm. So that's where conversations like UBI come in. That's where conversations yep. like Grantcoin, some of the companies that you kind of advise mm-hmm. come in. Yep. 
So aligning human beings' incentive to grow and so just think of think of Star Trek. What happens when right when the basic needs are taken care of? Yep. You're well, in why Star Trek. Why do officers work? Yeah, yeah. Why? For meaning, okay. yeah. Right, but meaning is just as ethereal as oh, ethereal. Totally, totally, or, totally. Or a totally, crowd raising totally. token. Yep, totally. So, so once we Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, so so I super agree with this and I like the yeah, when you flip the pyramid or or as you say, for us as a human species, um, and this is what like Albert Wenger talks about in World of Capital a lot, is you know, you know, back in the day, food was scarce, then agricultural revolution, so land was scarce, and then the industrial revolution, and so now uh, capital is scarce, and then now we might be getting to the place where um, it is where our basic need of uh, like having money and a lot of those bottom basic needs of you know shelter and food and all those are like automatically essentially um, met by stuff like automation. And so what right. you're saying is at the top of that self, when you, when you get to the top of the pyramid in self-actualization, you're talking about what kind of tenants should we have at that highest level exactly. such that we can kind of create the most meaning possible. Is that right? Exactly. So exactly. what do you think? My point is yeah. what, what gets measured, get, managed gets measured, exactly. right? That's my exactly. point. So exactly. if we exploitize that, then then we know we're we're maximizing for one thing, yes. and that thing could be as esoteric as meaning. Yes. But because we have a token behind it, yep. And we're maximizing the token. A side effect would be we're maximizing meaning. Yep, definitely, definitely. That is, I mean, and that's a question that I have a lot within the space and thinking about kind of externalities of something like blockchain and tokenizing everything is, how do you think about like if if we make it the case that you know, all the bottom needs are met and we are trying to self-actualize, then a lot of people will be, like you're saying, there'll be a lot of frameworks around how to self-actualize and there'll be tokenizations of, okay, this part of self-actualization, I'm a 10 of, you know, 10 on this part of self-actualization, I'm eight of 10 on. How do you think about the kind of quantification of self-actualization and whether that's actually, do you think it's inevitable and, or is it a good thing or or what, what are your thoughts on that? Ah, I don't know about good or bad. I'm a Calvinist. Thoughts don't have actions, right? So actions are good or bad. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm a determinist, so I think that there's the right answer to any question. So if you ask me, can we do it? Of course, yes. Mm -hmm. Right? The issue is how we cope with it. Yep, yep, yep. And so what... So so is that a good thing? I don't know. Maybe maybe that causes kindness to improve, right? Maybe there's... Maybe there's a Twitter of kindness some, somewhere along the line powered by this token. Just imagine <laughs> Which is that. not what yeah. it looks like today. <laughs> no, because we're maximizing for some other thing, right? Yeah. We're two levels away from, yes, from yes. the effect that it has on us. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, people are still using Twitter in order to increase their own rep- reputation, in order to increase their exactly. own basic needs and or leverage or whatever. They can do something else with that reputation. Yes, so if exactly. I directize that link, yep. then all the nastiness goes away, mm-hmm. at least – my thinking. Yeah. So when you think about that in the future, how, what, what are your instincts for how, how that self-actualization will be measured? Have you thought much about how to measure meaning or how to measure self-actualization? There's a lot of work being done at the effective altruism uh, level of measuring impact by impact on the planet. Mm-hmm. So there could be knowledge systems where be- because there's some kind of a measure, you can measure how much knowledge you gave out and how much impact that had. Yep. 
yep. that could be a, a level. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying I donated a million dollars to malaria campaigns, you could say I created this vaccine or helped create this vaccine that killed malaria. Yep. Yep. Boom. Yep. Yep. I think the thing that's interesting about that is we will we will experience the effective altruist version of this for the good future, which is, hey, how can we make it the case that um, capital is not scarce for anybody and that everybody has a high quality of life? But at the right. point in which the plus or minus for any given person's quality of life is not that much different, where you're like, hey, right. I can't really – there's no easy, effective, altruisty way for me to have a big impact on the world – then that becomes a different question of okay, well, what what am I what am I doing in this in this in this game? Exactly, and that's where an exchange idea comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this great um, interview with uh, Mark Andreessen and Reid Hoffman at Recode. Yep. Where as soon as they come in, Kara Swisher asks them about Tristan Harris. So yep. Tristan Harris talks about uh, calming and removing social media from life. Yep. And Mark Andreessen just kills him, just <laughs> kills him. Like, like, just like Mark Andreessen does. Uh, so I think that's a great conversation. And they try to get into the conversation that you and I are trying to get into, which mm-hmm. is, uh, for the people that already have these needs met, this is yep. not going to look like that much of a difference, but for the people that don't have these needs met, when yep. we jump to the point to say, okay, this allows you to, to have the bottom needs met, that lets the, the entire planet think on one one level, essentially. Yep, yep, exactly. So one final thing before we kind of conclude up here is how do you think, you know, if you're thinking about someone who is going to be, like, working as a new age kind of full-stack freelancer in this new future right. of work economy, how what would you recommend they do in terms of, how much should they be on Fiverr? How much should they be on something like, you know, crowd raising or Ethlance? Or how would you, if you were to recommend to a new age freelancer how they kind of monetize their time, how would you, how would you recommend that for them over the next five years? Oh, I would just say improve your skills. So yeah. there's this great debate about a basic like minimum wage, mm-hmm. right? A third party entity can never get you the right number of yeah. whatever that is. Hours on crowd raising. Uh, ether on ethlands, mm-hmm. whatever that is, right? Yep. So I would say find systems that help up that number. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that is. Yeah. And then monetization, even if it's inefficient, will be better. Yeah. Like if I'm monetizing 200 bucks an hour very effi- inefficiently, I'm still making more than if I was monetizing 20 bucks very efficiently. Yes. Yep. 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 That makes sense. And that's that's a very stupid, like, that's a very controversial thing to say when people say, oh, what if my time isn't worth 200? Well, why isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Try to maximize the amount of um, dollars per hour that your time is worth, and then the money will come in some form. Yep. Exactly. And uh, there's this great piece on, uh, I forget, on Slate, I think, Mm -hmm. about uh, Rebel 64. It's a woodworking... uh, a lumber shop yep. in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. People there are making close six figures, close to seven figures, mm-hmm. being a lumberjack and being a manager in a lumberjack factory. Yeah. Now we kind of laugh at that to say, "Oh, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be in construction, or I don't want to be a lumberjack, or that kind of thing." But they're making six figures. Yep. So if if I take the inefficiency out of that salary, imagine what they'll be doing more. Yep. Right. Yep. So so. Think about it from more of a uh, more of yourself as an asset and kind of how to 
up the value of that asset. Yep, I like that. And one final thing that I'd say on that is for me, the other way that I conceptualize my time is not just dollars per hour, but also I multiply it by two other things. I do dollars times love, aka how much I love the thing, um, times how much value I am truly providing to the world, and that could be done in an effective altruistic kind of like quality uh, way. Um, So it's like dollars times the amount of love for myself times the amount of like you know, impact that I'm really having on others, that over hours um, means that hopefully you're optimized for yourself and you're optimized for value for others and you're optimized for your basic needs of money. Um, Right. You said a very important thing in that. So two of those factors are self-generated. One is the market-generated value, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So I can control the the money. I can control the hours. I can control the love, but I can't control what the market values me at. So when you say impact, if we analogize you to a public company, that'll be your stock price. Yep. You, the company can't really control it. We can nudge it. Yes. We can nudge it around, right? Yeah. So you get good at nudging is my advice. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, okay, so to kind of uh, wrap up here, uh, a question that I like to ask at the very end is, um, Naveen, what is one final thing you'd like to say to the listener? And it can be silly, it can be self-promoting, it can be an off-topic, non-sequitur, uh, anything. What's what's on the top of your mind right now? Oh, just skin in the game. I've mm-hmm. been reading uh, Nassim Taleb's work. Yep. Yeah, so just having skin in the game. I would say I've seen a lot of people recently who don't have any skin in the game yep. and then just, just making noise, essentially. Yep. I just said just have a tiny bit of skin in the game and that improves your arguments it improves your work ethic it improves everything so yeah yeah so nicholas nassim talib for open <laughs> access there you go go to publicresource.org if i can show for somebody else nice nice i also like i mean the skin the game thing is something that i'm um, also constantly thinking about and just read anti-fragile as well the main and i'm not sure what the solve is here but for me i actively chose not to have skin in the game for lots of cryptocurrencies uh because i didn't want to be incentivized just for ethereum or just for bitcoin or whatever Uh, and i really want to be incentivized for something like a long-term humanist coin but that doesn't exist yet so (laughs) i don't i don't have any i don't have any skin in the game though is my issue is that your one recommendation i have none of it no, but you're building your own system. Reesecoin is, you could say, version 0.01 yeah, yeah. of long-term thinking, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that could be argued. <laughs> I would not argue that, but I, I wish that that was a good argument. Um, yeah, so, Naveen, thanks so much for your time. We're going to – so, for me, the takeaways are, A, you have crowdraising.co, which is a – system where people can pledge time not money and it's being used as with kind of early adopters who aren't necessarily developers and it is being currently used in a non-tokenized way to kind of bring people into the system but eventually it'll be tokenized um and then we talked a little bit about the uh not necessarily crowd raising but the kind of macro space more generally and where we see it going in the next you know 25 plus years which is if you imagine the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right now there's that tiny little thing at the top, which is um, self-actualization. And right now we don't have good ways to measure or uh, optimize for that, um, but we expect something like that to happen. Um, and, and finally, we talked about, you know, for you as a person working within this space, uh, it would be great to for you to kind of 
maximize your learning and your value that you can provide and then the money will come later. Um, if you have exactly. the ability to to do that in a privileged or kind of way, then you should go for it um, and, and, and try to maximize the value that you provide and then the money will come. Are there any, uh, any final takeaways from you, Naveen, on this stuff? No, thank you for having me. And uh, everybody, please go to Crowd Raising and then follow me on Twitter. Exactly. So thank you so much, Naveen. Uh, yeah, please go to crowdraising.co. And also, uh, this is episode three of Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future. If you have any feedback or inter interview recommendations, or if you would like to support me on Patreon, um, you can go to patreon.com slash Reese Lindmark, R-H-Y-S-L-I-N-D-M-A-R-K. Um, and beyond that, Naveen, thanks again so much for your time. And we will see you all in the future. Thank I hope you. you guys have a good week. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.